on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 13th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with the number one pick in the 2014 AFL Women's Draft, Tia Haynes. Thunder Devils co-coach Andy Smith gives us the lowdown on his side's victory against the Woomeras. We catch up with Western Bulldogs ruck woman Astor O'Connor as she talks about her trip to the Tiwi Islands as part of Red Dust. And we replay our post-match interview with Melbourne University captain Emma Carney after their big win over the Diamond Creek. All that and more coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 13th edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and I can tell you it won't be as long as last week's which went on for around about 50 minutes but it'll still be chock-a-block full of great content. Before I go anywhere a Big shout out to Matt and Katie, the co-founders of girlsplayfooty.com for uh, putting together the website, hosting the podcast, writing up articles and also hosting our radio stream. And a special thank you as well to Lisa Caddo for all the work that she's done going into bat for and promoting girlsplayfooty.com and all the work that we do. And I'd like to remind everyone that we are volunteers. The resources that you see are simply by our hard volunteer work. And in some cases, yours truly with the proposed live video stream and radio call coming out of our own back pocket as well. We do it all to try and promote the very best of women's football. And to say it's been a bit of a stressful week over the past seven days has been a bit of an understatement since uh, not only the live stream didn't quite go to plan, but also since we broke the uh, news that it looked like Channel 7 might be uh, showcasing one of the AFL women's exhibition matches on free-to-air TV, later confirmed by Sam Lane at Fairfax Newspapers. I understand we may not be the most popular people uh, with those in uh, higher places for breaking the story early, but the important thing to remember was social media was a buzz when we broke the news. It was all positive, and when it was confirmed later on by Sam Lane, all the praise to the AFL and Channel 7 was unanimous. It was a big win all round for female footy, and that should be remembered. But enough of that. You don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from the great female footy talent out there. And that's why I've got on the line the number one draft pick in the AFL Women's Draft for 2014, Tia Hayes. She was selected by the Western Bulldogs but never got the chance to pull on the jumper and run out into Etihad Stadium because, unfortunately, she came down with a knee injury just days after being drafted. But she's on the comeback trail and she's currently training with the WA State Squad in the hope of being selected for the WA versus Victoria match coming up on the Queen's birthday weekend and possibly being drafted in the July mini draft and being able to run out onto Etihad Stadium in late August for either the Melbourne Demons or Western Bulldogs. And that's why I've got Tia Haynes on the line. Tia, tell us the Tia Haynes story. Uh, well, basically, I've grown up around footy my whole life. With, um, my dad playing for Waffle and my brother being around and mum always driving us to and from all the footy places. So I played Auskick, um for Corunda then, I think it's now Brentwood Borragoon, and um, I then left and went to different sports and came back in my school, with school, and um, got asked to go down to the East Romano Sharks, obviously played schools, um, sixteen, um, did that, and then obviously gone from there and just developed from there, and yeah, so now playing at Coastal Titans. And uh, you've, you've had a heck of a junior career, uh, you had the honour of course uh, back in 2011 of uh, being the captain of the WA Youth Girls side. Yes, I did. I also was um, the co-captain in 2010 as well. So we went from 2010 to 2011, and then I was unfortunately too old to continue on. 
and then of course at uh, the Coastal Titans Football Club and you've picked a great era to join them where obviously the, the Titans and the Swan Districts being the dominant sides in the WAWFL. Yeah, that's it. They've always been the dominant sides, those two clubs, and also East Fremantle have been in the mix, and South Fremantle and Peel have always been up and down with that as well. But no, definitely um, joining to a, a very strong club, which was which helps with my development as well. Let's flash back to uh, 2014. Do you recall your name being called out? How did you get the news uh, that you were going to then be pulling on the Bulldogs jumper? Um, well, actually, no, I didn't. I um, I was in the rooms with everyone, though. Um, we had our uh, live stream cut out, so we missed, we all missed. We um, got one of the girls who was watching the live live feed come up on her Twitter, and she um, was the one who got to tell me that was my name. And then once we all found out who it was, I couldn't believe it. But they turned me around, and it finally unfolded on the big screen, and my name popped up. So that's the only way I found out. And then, of course, uh, presented with the Bulldogs jumper. Uh, certainly, your dreams come true. But a few weeks later, the knee injury hit. What exactly happened? Yeah, so obviously dreams did do definitely come true. Um, but then again, I've gone from one extreme to another, and it was actually that weekend that I that I got picked up. It was my twenty first birthday, and I um all, all it was was the first game against my old club, and I've we've come out firing. I think I kicked the first goal of the game, and then I've gone off for a rest and come running off the bench um across the field, and I've kicked it on my left, planted my knee just completely the wrong way, obviously, and yeah, and it's gone from gone downhill from there. Do you recall when it happened? Was there a noise? Was it a pain straight away? Was it the body collapsing? What had happened? Um, yeah, I, I heard like a cracking sort of a noise. Um, I, I really had no idea what I had done. I knew there was something not okay. As I, it felt like, because obviously I did my ACL and my MCL, both ruptured both of those. So my MCL had no support in my knee at all in the end, on the inside. And so my kneecap felt like it wasn't in. Um, that's the only reason I did thought, knew I'd have done something that wasn't wasn't okay and uh, I think initial reaction was not to look and just everything would eventually be okay and once all my like the coach and the physio and stuff got over to me I, um yeah I think everything started to hit me then until I until I got off the field or, um, around put on the stretcher and around the boundary and yeah that's when it just all hit that it there was something not okay and it wasn't it was all I think just the enormous pressure of that I had I mean, coming back and playing a game was, yeah, it was all starting to sink in pretty fast. When was the news delivered to you that you'd have to be spending the rest of the year on the sidelines? Um, well, it took a couple of go. I think it was a couple of days before I actually got my results back. My physio, well, she was in Vietnam at the time, and so she had to give me a call when she got the re- report back. But there was a few extra things I had to do along the way within scans, and I think I went to a couple of surgeons. One I wasn't very impressed with, so I think I went, moved from him, went to another one, and... From then on, I've, yeah, haven't looked back. Has it changed your attitude to football since the knee injury because you've missed out? Has there been an extra determination for this comeback? Yeah, definitely. I think um, you, you do think that when you first do it, you think that you don't, you, you're not ready. You won't be ready for a long time and you need to get your, get your courage back up to get back out there. But I think um, knowing that I didn't want this injury to put me out of how I used to play or how I how I see my football. So I think I just want to prove to myself and not necessarily anybody else but myself that I can come back from an injury, such a big injury like this and get back to where I was. Does it change the way that you, you train as well, obviously because you can't run around on that knee? I mean, there's been stories told of footballers building up some great upper body strength while they've had leg injuries because simply they they can't work on their legs. Um, well, it, 
does. It slowly comes back. You do start to work on other strengths that you, that you require in the game and stuff like that. I did. I did start trying to work on upper body strength. I guess you can't really tell still, but I like to think you can. But um, no, I guess you do. Start, once you get back into the the routine of your rehab, and you do have to start working on your leg strength and stuff like that, and you finally get back into your movements, it, it does work. But yeah, you do work on your upper body strength to try and keep yourself motivated with to stick with your sport and stick with your rehab. And during this injury period, how do how do the Coastal Titans keep you involved in football? Um, well, um, I was helping out with coaching stuff last year. I was trying to get involved as much as I could. This year, I'm fortunate enough I've, as I'm, I'm basically just waiting to get back into into playing now that I'm I'm training with them, warming up with them, and then I'm going out and being the runner. So I'm still involved with knowing what structures are going on, knowing all the, all the stuff that's going on on field and off field as well. As we build towards the uh, mini-draft in July, um, I believe you're having a crack at the WA State squad and, and hopefully be able to pull on the WA jumper to take on the Big V. Yeah, it's looking, looking um, close to it. I'm just getting a little bit excited, hoping that, that I will get selected. Um, obviously, there's no expectations that I haven't played a great amount in the last year, but I do have my fingers crossed that hopefully I'll get selected and get put on the WA um, jumper in front of a home crowd as well. And of course, there's some of the uh, some of the uh, respective demons and uh, Bulldogs coaching staff in WA. Have you had much contact with them, or or any chat? Have they been talking to you about you know possibly being involved in the draft, or at least wanting to know how you're going? Um, I've had a, spoken with a couple of them. Actually, Craig Starshevich is here for the under 18s at the moment. I've managed to he spotted me on the field watching a game the other day and had a little chat to me and just told me basically they've all said the same thing: is keep going with my rehab, keep pushing myself, and just going with the way I am, and that hopefully that that'll all fall in place for me and I'll be I'll be selected. And uh, when are you hoping to pull back on the Coastal Titans jumper? As soon as possible. No, um, hopefully only a couple more weeks away now. Um, I've, just, I've got to obviously get uh, cleared by my physio, cleared, and I'm going to get a return to sport test just to make sure that everything in like my mind is settled and everyone around me is settled that I, that I am okay to come back. And what would you prefer, Melbourne or the Bulldogs? <laughs> um, well, I don't know. Uh, to be honest, I wouldn't. Uh, it's an honour to get picked up by anyone. And my mum would want me to say Western. Um, sorry, my mum would want me to say Melbourne, as she's a Melbourne Demon supporter. But just to be selected into the AFL is just an absolute honour. So anywhere would be fine. And we thank Tia Haynes very much for her time, and wish her all the very best on the comeback trail. And let's hope that she gets picked up in the mini draft in July. Currently on at the moment is the Youth Girls Championships in Mandra WA and what a carnival it's been after two days where Western Australia, the reigning champions, won't be making the Pool A Grand Final. It'll be definitely down between Victoria Metro and Queensland. Could Queensland create the biggest boil over ever and take out the championship? We will know by late Friday afternoon. In Pool B, it's been the resurgence of South Australian female football in devastating fashion. Two comprehensive early victories as they try to march through to take the Pool B title. And also a first win for the Thunder Devils. After going down to SA on day one, they've managed to come back and get a five-point win against the Woomeras. And that's why I've got on the line the co-coach. This coach in particular from the Tasmanian part of this Northern Territory Tasmanian combined Thunder Devils side in Andy Smith. Andy, thanks for joining us. Not a problem. Uh, Andy, before we get to uh, today's game, um, uh, first of all, how's it been having this unique, uh, I guess, three coaching structure yourself, uh, Natasha Bennett and Brian Armit, uh, the, the others from the Northern Territory? 
Uh, yeah, it's, um, and we've got an extra one. We've got Deb Allen, too, who's one of our uh, assistant coaches from Tassie. So we brought two coaches away, too. So uh, it's been good. Um, yeah, um, multiple heads um, make better decisions, we believe. So, yeah, no, it's been good. Challenging, but good. It's an interesting move, of course, with half the girls coming from Tasmania and half from the Northern Territory. When did the girls first get to meet, and how have they gelled together so far? Uh, well, we haven't come in on the day before the tournament, um, so but the gel the gel really well. We had uh, half the team. Um, this is their second nationals together, so half of them knew each other from uh, Canberra last year. So we were sort of had a bit of a head start than last year. So, but the new ones have come in and gelled really well, which has been good. A bit of a tough initiation to uh, start the youth girls championship coming up against a reinvigorated uh, South Australia. Oh yeah, they were they were awesome. Um, their, their midfield depth, um, the way they moved the ball, they were, um, on the day a class above us. Um, but that was a good learning curve for our girls. I mean, we put it on them after the game, what we could learn out of the game, and um, obviously take that into um, today's game against the Warmers, which um, ended up being a, a good result for us. And how was it to try and keep that positive vibe after the SA game? Because it can be very easy to drop your shoulders after after a big loss. How did you make sure that the message was still positive? Uh, we sort of took our leadership group aside and um, had some honest conversations. Um, very disappointed with the output on the first day, given what they produced um, in Canberra the year before. Um, and we challenged them to respond, and um, they were sensational. Today, and the way they responded, the um, body language, um, attack of the ball in the first five minutes was fantastic, and that was the sort of level maintained during the game and what's required to play at this level. Uh, today, a very hard-fought victory. Um, the the, the Woomera's got the uh, jump on you. You managed to get the lead back by three-quarter time and hold on for a five-point victory. Yeah, no, it was good. It was great to our girls. Like, um, with the, the straight and territory coming together, we just didn't know how what depth of fitness we had in the girls and how much they could run out the game. So our rotations were pretty important. Um, and again, our... Um, our better players through the midfield really stood up in the last quarter when the game had to be won, basically. And uh, it's been in the record that one of the girls to watch for the tournament was the midfielder in Danielle Ponta from uh, from St Mary's up in the Northern Territory, and she didn't disappoint today. No, Danielle's going to be a superstar of the future. She's an All-Australian from um, Canberra last year, and again, we won. We challenged her because her output in game one wasn't up there, but she was sensational today. Um, attacking the ball, silky skills. So she'll, she'll be a a future uh, Melbourne or Bulldog player, um, no doubt about that. No, she's going to be a gun. And uh, Slotman threw the big sticks three times. Zoe Knight from Latrobe. Yeah, Zoe. Oh, I think well, when we picked her, we didn't know what sort of um, output we get, but um, she certainly stood up today. Um, we picked her more as a mid half back, and we just chucked her forward today, see if we can mix it up a bit because we couldn't get much cohesion in the forward line yesterday, and she responded brilliantly today with three goals. It was a fantastic effort. And uh, your ruck woman, uh, Elise Gamble, been getting high praise from Lee Alder, also in the best? Yeah, yeah, yeah Elise was. I mean, again, she had a good um, battle yesterday with Sarah Allen from South Australia. Um, Sarah probably probably pipped her, um, so it was a good response for her um, today. Um, and she, again, she's, she's, a, she's a, a dominant force for us, with her playing well for us to play well at this tournament, and she produced today when, when it mattered because, again, she's, she's one of the co-captains of the side, and we challenged her on her output yesterday, and she responded brilliantly today. And one of the older players in the side uh, from Waratah, uh, Amy Chittick, also doing well? Yeah, Amy, again, again, she's the other co-captain again. We challenged her, and her response was sensational too. Her, her um, attack on the ball in the first five minutes really set the tone for our midfield, and like the girls followed her brilliantly. And um, she led from the front, and she kept running and running and running, so she had a, another very good game for us. Yep. 
Now, to try and qualify for the uh, Pool B uh, Grand Final, you need to knock off uh, New South Wales ACT in the next game. What's the plan going into that match uh, in two days? Well, I just watched them play South Australia, and South Australia beat them by, I think it's 80 points to three. So um, we know we can be competitive if we bring our A game, basically. Um, the key for us will be rehab now. We've been bashed and crashed in two days of tournament footy, so we need to make sure our girls are right to go in two days to play. And um, if we can get our girls recovered well enough, I think we're very competitive in that game. And hopefully we'll get another chance to... Um, have a crack at South Australia. But, yeah, you know, hopefully our recovery is well and we give our girls the best opportunity to play at their best ability. And we thank Andy very much for his time and wish the Thunder Devils all the very best throughout the remainder of the Youth Girls Championships. And don't forget, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the Youth Girls Championships in Mandra by going to our website, girlsplayfooty.com, and catching up on the latest articles. Now it's time to catch up with the superstar ruck woman from the Darabin Falcons, Asta O'Connor. She dominated for the Western Bulldogs in last year's AFL Women's Exhibition match and she has been retained to take part in the two games for season 2015, one at the MCG and the other at Etihad Stadium. Recently, she headed up to the Tiwi Islands, a particular Melville Island, as part of the Red Dust Australia program, which encourages healthy living for those in Indigenous communities. Asta, thank you very much for joining us. And first of all, again, congratulations on being retained by the Western Bulldogs. Yeah, it's only a couple of weeks away now and uh, really looking forward to it. Happy uh, to, to get through draft night. It was nerve-wracking for, for my friends and those girls that were thrown back into the draft. Um, there was a lot of talent out there and, yeah, really happy with how the night went. Craig, our, our new coach, Craig Stashevich, he's a, an amazing operator very professional and has, has put together a, a very well-structured list. Now, we should mention with the Dogs as well that your work with them hasn't just uh, been on the day playing in the exhibition match. They've actually had you do a bit of promotional work as well. Yeah, I try to, um, wherever possible with my full-time job. Obviously, women, women's footy at this stage isn't um, isn't professional, but it's on its way. And, and part of being a part of, of the AFL women's sides is, is the promotional work and... and growing it at a grassroots level, I suppose you could say. So I really enjoy getting out when I can to Oz Kicks or, or those sorts of things. But, yeah, really special uh, when, you, when you get opportunities like I've just had to go up to the Tiwi Islands. And, and because you've uh, been two years into it now, do you find that you are being recognised, whether you go to the Oz Kick or, or for example, <laughs> to the Tiwi Islands? Um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. Um, no, I, I think... Um, you know, more more just around, you know, educating and, and promoting the game is, is something that's really important. And the more people that, that are aware that females play footy and, and we play it quite well, I mean, gender doesn't specify your passion or or, or where your, uh, you know, where your heart lies. So I think it's, it is great when we get out there and, and for the young girls that are coming through the game or trying to decide, you know, which sport of choice them it, it, it is really good to see the pathway up to the AFL clubs and that's why it's so important that myself and I know an array of other female footballers like Daisy Pearce, Katie Brennan, uh, Steph Chochi go out and do a similar thing so it is really important. Uh, just a, a week or so ago you headed up to Melville Island uh, Tiwi College for Red Dust Australia. Can you tell us about Red Dust Australia and how you got involved? Yeah, sure. You're right. I did go up to Tiwi, um, and and it was a uh, just a, a, a wow of a week. Um, I got involved. Will Minson is on the board 
of Red Dust Australia, and he's uh, the fellow ruck at the Western Bulldogs, but just for the male team, <laughs> the male guys. Um, so he was, he got in touch with with myself, and we had a coffee and and talked about some opportunities and and when we could fit it in, getting up to Tiwi. Um, and and as you said, yeah, we went up to the school, and it was it was a really special week. The kids come in from Bathurst and Melville Island, uh, the different communities. Uh, around there and um, there's about 80 students that come in both male and female Uh, so it's a co-ed school Um, they live on site for the week with their house parents and you know it's just one of the most special places so unique and um, I must say walking into a school environment was a little bit daunting I haven't been to school for a while and in a classroom but it was it was just very amazing to see the the culture and and how strong um, the culture is and one one thing that really struck me was there was no everybody was inclusive. There was no bullying. Everybody was supportive at the school. And you know, being a young teenager, I think as you're growing up, sports such an important part of life, and just belonging to a sporting club or you know whatever your choice is. I think it was it was really um, I guess reassuring for me to see young people including one another and, and none of that bullying. So it was very special. And I believe Red Dust Australia is all about healthy living? It is. It's about promoting healthy living and healthy lifestyles, um, you know, making positive choices as a young person. Uh, like I said earlier, being a teenager, <laughs> no matter where you're from or, or what walk of life you come from, being a teenager is a testing time. Um, so, yeah, Red Dust Australia does try to promote healthy living, um, making the right choices and, and, you know, just getting out and being active. So that they have people like... Like myself, Will Minson, Kyle Vanderhurst, uh, Mel Jones is a female cricketer in these sorts of role model um, positions just to help the kids along the way and, and build those friendships. And, you know, young people, um, you know, as long as they've got someone to talk to about it, you know, like I said, it is a, it is a tough time. Um, so if they can, they can talk to somebody and, you know, just go through different options, it, it can only be a good thing for them. So what would you be doing as a, as a, a typical day in the classroom at uh, Tiwi College? Sure. There, well, there isn't a typical day at Tiwi. That's what I learnt pretty quickly. Um, obviously, it's structured and there's curriculum to get through numeracy, literacy and that sort of thing. But um, it is a very different setup at the school. Um, but, you know, the kids come in at 8.30. They're ready to go um, into class. And, you know, we go through first period and we... We just work on different things, whether, like I said, be numeracy, literacy, um, and obviously Red Dust, then uh, we integrate our, our lesson plans as well, based around, you know, the right choices on food, you know, staying away from drugs, alcohol, smoking, all those negative things that do come up when you're a teenager. You know, choices are, are there to be made. So just ensuring that the kids um, know that there's options and, and, and are able to choose the right pathway was really important for Red Dust. But... A typical day in Tiwi, there isn't such thing. And how about after school hours? Uh, do you get welcomed into the community there? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. After school is when the fun begins. You you go out and you, you're kicking the footy around and these kids don't wear shoes. They're, they're pretty tough. And um, I must say, you know, I think some of the best footballers and especially the best female footballers in this country are yet to be seen. There's, there's amazing talent out there and, you know, there's some really special people doing some special things Tash Bennett is the um, academy coordinator for the girls up at Tiwi Island, and she coaches the girls. Um, so you know the the um, the program that she's put together for these young women is is something that's very unique, and, and something I know the girls are really proud of. So 
after school is all about refining those skills, whether it be on the footy field, basketball court. I mean, they taught me a little bit of dancing as well. I'm a tall white girl that can't dance, so they had a lot of fun laughing at me along the way. But, yeah, no, it's, you know, after school is plenty of fun. and um, But there's a bit of homework to be done as well, so had to get that in. And for you personally, what do you think you learnt for yourself from the trip? For myself personally, um, I learnt that it's an area that I'm very passionate about, working with young people and and, and helping them along the way. Um, I, you know, there's there's many challenges that, that face um, people in remote communities. Um, it wasn't eye-opening. Uh, I certainly knew what, what to expect um, as, as I was sort of heading in, having spoken to Will, and, and he'd been involved with Red Dust for a little while. But I think the thing I, I, think the thing I learnt was um, within the Indigenous communities of Australia, um, you know, in so many ways, they're so far ahead. Uh, they're in remote, you know, areas as, you know, a lack of accessibility for all, all sorts of different things. But, you know, I know in Australia, in Melbourne, Victoria, there's still... Um, some men out there that don't understand that women play footy or, or aren't too um, positive about the thought of females playing football. Um, and I know when I started my footy career, it sort of turned a few heads because I was a girl and I was playing with the boys. But but up there on Tiwi, it's you know it's, it's really celebrated and and the men of the communities really get behind the girls and and are really supportive, which I think is just a fantastic thing. Um, you know, when you think of how far female footy has come, so. That was that was actually something I learned along the way that, you know, um, despite their traditions and, and the way that men and women interact uh, in Indigenous sort of culture, they're really, really supportive of girls getting out there and having a kick, which I think is great. And Asta, for yourself, who were some of the role models that you looked up to? Yeah, Pete, uh, as a young female footballer coming through, I guess um, one of the main role models for me was my mum. She, uh, she always let me play footy she never never took a backward step and and that was really encouraging for me uh, that mum mum supported me I also had uh, Marlo Brack she she always believed in me she was a, a champion of, of Queensland footy um, but and, and Julia Price what what she did for Queensland footy as well while I was up there but coming down to Victoria obviously um, you know and getting to work with Peter Searle just the bar that she constantly set higher and higher and higher just as a role model was um you know, and it's, it's to no surprise now that she's the first female coach of an AFL club. So, you know, these sorts of people are, are really important for me along my journey. And, and I look back now on reflection and, and they were real role models. And, and that's simply because they were my friends. They believed in me and um, were always there if I needed to chat. So I was always appreciative of that. And with Red Dust, of course, they do work in uh, various Indigenous communities, not only on Tiwi Island, but also throughout um, Central Australia. So <laughs> do, do, do you see yourself taking another Red Dust tour and, and maybe dragging along a Falcons or a Bulldogs teammate? Yeah, no, absolutely. I'll be heading out again in October, just obviously when, um, you know, when footy slowed down a bit, I'll be back out there and, and hopefully get to Alice as a, as a community called Arionga that I'll, I'll hope to get to as well. Um, but it's ensuring that you're sending the right role models to the right places and, and that they can have have impact and go up there with with quality in mind um so for me it's you know uh, footy is is the life up there so it's it is a it is a good way to connect with people um and i mean our footy anywhere is, is a good way to connect with strangers and people that you haven't met before so 
by all means, I'll be back out there. And, and hopefully, you know, uh, in a few months or in a, a year or so, we can get some of the girls over here to Melbourne and, and bring them down to the Darwin Falcons and even to the Bulldogs to show them, you know, the opportunities that are there if you put your head down and work hard. So there's plenty of things in the pipeline. We've just got to make them, uh, you know, come to life. And Asta, before we let you go, we uh, we look to another rules setting uh, this weekend uh, with your Darabin Falcons uh, taking on the surprisingly top side, the Eastern Devils. Um, in, I guess you could almost call it a promotional game. Uh, with you meeting in round four up in Wangaratta. Yeah, it's going to be great. Road trip up to Wangaratta. Really looking forward to it. Um, as we were talking about earlier, there's some girls at our club that hail from up that way. Daisy Pierce, Darcy Vescio, Kate Tindall are all locals so hopefully their families can come down and, and watch their daughters run around and, and play footy which will be really special but full credit to the devils they're they're up and flying at the moment so really looking forward to the challenge of of seeing what they bring um seeing what they've done different uh and you know it's going to be uh i'm sure it's going to be a very entertaining match from you know the first bounce to the last. So really looking forward to it. And we thank Asta for her time. And if you'd like to know more about the Red Dust role models, go to www.reddust.org.au. That link is again available on our website by clicking on the Asta O'Connor article. Now, before we go, a replay of our interview with the player of the day from the Diamond Creek versus Melbourne University Round 3 VWFL Premier Division game. We were there on Saturday afternoon where we were meant to do a live stream. A few things didn't quite work out, so we stuck with a radio call and we caught up post-game with the player of the day and the captain of the Melbourne University Muggers in Emma Carney. And we started off by congratulating her on two wins from the last two games. Yeah, it's um, it's fantastic. Um, you know, it was good to beat Darabin, but then to, to come out and put a performance like that is, is even better. So it's very exciting. What was said by Adrian Priest at halftime? Because at that stage, it seemed that as much as it was even, the wheel was turning Diamond Creek's favour for quite a significant bit of that second quarter. It seemed like they were slowly getting on top of you. Yeah, yeah. So um, basically, you sort of just said, look, we were down um, against Darabin at halftime. So just go back to our fundamentals, keep the pressure on, and, and that'll do it for itself. Possibly some structural changes there in the third quarter because all of a sudden the space opened up. Yeah, not too many um, structural changes. I, I moved into the forward line. Um, but look, it was pretty much the same. I think we just probably used the ball better and, and linked up our players a lot better. The key word, run, run, run. That's all it seemed to be in that third term. Yeah, we've got, we've got a lot of leg speed, especially um, people like Caitlin Ashmore and Ali Blackburn burning through the middle. So to use them, you know, it's pretty important. And it seems to it seems to have opened you up more. Instead of uh, where Ashmore in the past was traditionally a half-back flanker, now moved up to the wing, and now Lou Stevenson's now being moved more deeper and towards the forward 50. Having those girls that have got height but leg speed as well just broken up along the ground just allows a quicker, faster chain-up. Oh, definitely. And Cashy's been playing um, sensational football this year, so to have her on the wing and to have use her leg speed is, is fantastic. And Lou Stevenson had her, um, probably one of her better games for the year so far, so... Um, you know, it's a good confidence builder for her. Uh, safe to say for her, maybe it's a bit of a spur on that she was unlucky. She didn't get redrafted uh, at, at the AFL Women's Draft. So I think for her, because they've got that second opportunity in July to now prove a point over these next few months. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like she was really disappointed that she didn't get in. And and look, I think that it will just spur her on to keep working hard and and um, hopefully she gets even better. And what was said by Adrian post game? Oh, look, he, he was pretty wrapped. Um, he just said, you know, we stuck to our structures well and, and that our pressure was um, really good and that's what got us the game. 
the player which probably could be given second best on ground, uh, she was unlucky not to get the award today, uh, was Cecilia McIntosh, uh, particularly there in that uh, final quarter, just marking everything across half back. Yeah, gee, she's um, for someone of her size, she can she can hang on to a mark really well. So she's been super, um, particularly on that half back line, because her run and carry is um, really important for us as well. And good work again by your backline uh, girls. I was just looking at the likes of uh, uh, Hildebrand back there as well, Goring and Hay under pressure, particularly when you've got to handle the likes of Cross, Sibonella, Gretsch. Uh, they're just you know three key forwards with the ball's just coming in constantly towards them. Yeah, it was um, it was really impressive by our backline. Their forward line's quite dominant and um, quite tall. You know, our defenders are pretty small, but, um, geez, they were good today. They were really good. And Cat O'Brien, tireless in the ruck. Yeah, yeah, she's um, she does all right, doesn't she? She's um, just a massive fighter and doesn't like getting beaten, so she's been awesome for us. It's been a revelation, hasn't it? Because she used to be more on the half-back, more in defence in, in previous years when you had Sparky in the ruck, and now that she's essentially your number one ruck woman carrying the load. Yeah, that's right. Um, a couple of years back before we had Spark, um, she was our one of our ruckmen, but um, you know I think it's it's been really good, given her an opportunity to be back in the ruck, and she's done really well. And, of course, we mentioned before Cecilia McIntosh being second best on ground. That's because the best on ground is sitting with us in Emma Carney. And that means before we let you go, as per tradition, it is the $50 Rebel Sport voucher for you this week. Oh, thank you very so much. Congratulations on that. Keep it up. And uh, I think next week, talk about another tough contest, St Kilda Sharks down at Peanut Farm. Yeah, far out. Um, Moana Hope's probably on fire again, so she'll be another key person that we need to shut down so it's a good challenge for us and that concludes our 13th podcast here at girlsplayfooty.com thank you very much for all your kind messages and all your facebook likes we've got over 2,000 likes now it really does mean everything to the crew here at girlsplayfooty.com particularly the co-founders matt and katie because we all do this for free none of us get paid a cent it's all done out of our own back pocket and your support really does mean a lot until next time You have a safe weekend. Bye for now.